Hi, this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. I just want to welcome you to this Bible study. I believe that the Bible from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation is one story and narrative about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This will be my officially second podcast for Frank's Bible Study. And what I'm going to cover this podcast is about Jesus Christ giving us authority in Scripture after His resurrection to give us direction in how we are to study the Word of God, what we're to look for, and how we are to look for Him for salvation and look to Him for all things. So what I want to do is I want to give some references that Jesus gave in the Synoptic Gospels referring to the book of Genesis. It is important for us to go through the entire Torah and where Jesus quotes from the Torah But I'm only going to do Genesis today, and I'm only going to refer to only eight places where Jesus is referring to Genesis in his own words. Number one, Matthew 22, verse 21, Mark chapter 12, verse 17, and Luke chapter 20, verse 25. Mankind is in the image of God. Number two. Matthew 23, verse 35, Luke chapter 11, verse 51, Jesus references Abel as a historical righteous person and the first of the martyrs. Number three, Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 through 39, Luke 17, verses 26 through 27, Jesus compares his coming to the time of Noah's flood. Number four, Matthew chapter 26, verse 52. Jesus references Genesis 9, 6 when he says, Those who draw the sword will die by the sword. Number five. Mark 13, verse 19. Jesus references God creating the world. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus gives the disciples authority to tread on serpents. Number 7, John chapter 8, verse 44. The devil is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Number 8, John eight fifty-eight. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus preexisted. Now I would like to read from the book of Luke chapter 24, verses 26 through 27. This is the road to Emmaus. Verse 26. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, the reason why I pick this particular point in scripture in the Gospels is because this is the authority that I personally operate under in order to teach Christocentric uh, theology. It is very important, not just me or what I'm teaching is important just to the community of people that I'm teaching it to. It is important for all Christians to do this because the more we know about Jesus Christ from the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible is very important for us to understand our salvation and why he says what he says, because there is a lot of things that he says in the four gospels from his own mouth that he quotes from the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. I'm only covering Genesis and only a few scriptures that he quotes from Genesis just to show you that this is what he's doing and what he's 
encouraging the believers and the readers of the future to do, like right now. In Acts chapter 7, verse 20 through 22, it reads, At this time Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now, what I want to cover in this in particular is that Moses is the writer, stenographer of God. The Torah, and specifically the first five books of the Bible, he is given that task to do. Now, I'm going to go through the reasons why I believe and what scriptures that I have to back up what I'm saying, because that's important too, for all the listeners and for all the ones who do Bible study or who are teachers and so forth. It's very important that you just don't say things because you think it's right or it's some kind of an inference where you have come to that crossroads. It has to be backed up by scripture. And that's what I try to do in all the teachings that I do. Now, most of us know that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. We know this. This is something that I think most Christians know. Obviously, all the Jews know it. But the fact is, is that we just kind of use that as a broad brush. Moses wrote the Torah. There's a lot going on here. There is a lot of moving parts. I think that we should know. I'm going to only give highlights uh, on the topics and just a few things that I think would help us uh, get us studying in the right direction, but it's a lot more than what we like to broad brush it with. So, moving forward, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, it says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Acts chapter 7, verse 23, it reads, Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Now, what I want to do is I want to combine these scriptures, and this is how we are able to understand about Moses. And this is how we also learn to understand about how the Bible has come about, the history of the Bible. And it's in so many different places, but the only way to know that is to read. Now, not all of you are out there are called to be Bible bookworms. And I'm not saying that you have to be to know these types of things. But if you really love the Word of God and you want to know who you serve, you want to know why you practice what you practice, it is our duty to study these scriptures, to know why we believe what we believe. So I want to do some kind of a research type timeline with you in order to go through all these things to show you how important it was for God to use Moses, why Jesus even said, beginning at Moses, Moses receives the law in the book of Exodus, chapter 21 through chapter 24. This is about 1445 BCE, which stands for before common era. In other words, before the birth of Christ. Moses is God's scribe or stenographer of the Torah. So in other words, God God uses Moses to write down the things that he wants him to write down. He hears from God. And so by doing this, God is the one who is dictating and Moses is writing it down. So this is how it works. Some people think that somebody else wrote it down and actually Moses was the one. 
But then you have to try to understand where Moses comes from, and I'll get into that. Moses chronicles 2,555 years of people, places, and events prior to his own existence. So remember, Moses is writing about Adam and Eve. He's writing about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is a gigantic story with just that family alone. And Moses chronicles everything from that point, from the beginning, all the way up to his time. So this brings us to the next question. How was it written or recorded? I'm referring to the Torah. How was all this made possible? Now Moses was born about 1525 BCE, give or take. He was 40 years old, leaving Egypt in self-exile. And if you remember reading in scripture that he killed an Egyptian for being cruel to his brethren. Moses journeys to Midian. He spent 40 years there. In Acts 7.30, we learn of that. He confronted Pharaoh at 80 years old. Exodus chapter 7, verse 7. Which brings us to the year of 1445 BCE. Since Moses was born in 1525 BCE, I want to give you an explanation of how the evolution of writing and the alphabet came about in his time. Now, the timeline of evolution from symbols to alphabet. So the date I have it down here in my research is 3,500 years to 3,000 years BC, so before Christ. Sumeria is the place of origin, and the writing is cuneiform. The type are symbols. Pictographs is what they're called. The date is 3,200 BCE. Place of origin, Egypt. Hieroglyphics. Type, symbols. 2,000 years BC. Place of origin, Crete. Writings, Minoan hieroglyphs. The type, symbols. 1700 BCE. Place, Crete. Writings, Minoan linear A script. Type, symbols. 1600 years BCE. Place, Canaan. Writing, Proto-Canaan alphabet. Type, letters and symbols. Date, 1,450 years BCE. Place, Greece. Writing, linear B script, letters and symbols. Now, I want to to remind you that when Moses confronted Pharaoh, he confronted him in 1445. As scriptures tell us, and as I read to you, Moses had 40 years to learn from the Egyptian university and the great library. Now, from everything that I've read to you up to the point of 1450, was all contained in the Egyptian great library. Moses' learning at the Egyptian university or great library is an equivalent to a Harvard level of education at that time. 
You have to remember that in those days, that Egyptian was a world power. It was the center of the earth. It ruled everything and everybody. In technology, in warfare, in scientific advancement, mathematics, astrology, there were so many things that they were so far advanced of from everybody that God had allowed Moses to grow up in this kind of education, which we'll find out later why. This will set the precedence for how Moses being the scribe stenographer for God and the Torah. Some secular skeptics like to point to the fact that Moses being in Egypt and learning all the things that I spoke of in the great library of Egypt or in the University of Egypt, that he used that wisdom and knowledge in order to form the Bible as we know it as the Torah, which is absolutely not true. And the reason why I say that is because if that were true, then Egypt's university and great library would be producing that level of information and wisdom every year or every other year, and the world would be filled with outstanding literature of faith. But history tells us that Egypt was defeated and once a great nation, but was overtaken time and time and time again by different rulers. This is not to take away from what Egypt has produced and what they have given to the world and everything that they have done and discovered, but just the fact that there is no way that they produced the Torah the way Moses had been given to by God. Covering the authority of why Jesus said to search the scriptures because they testify of him in John chapter 5 verse 39. It is very important that I teach this way. And like I said, I'm only covering the book of Genesis. Now, all of what I'm giving here as far as information, facts, timelines, biblical truths, scripture, it is to validate that Jesus had said in the very beginning in Luke chapter 24, 26 through 27, and the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all scriptures the things that are concerning himself. This is in which I operate in, and I am urging you to do the same. It's very important that we look at the Bible this way. If we look at the Bible any other way, it becomes self-serving. Jesus has to be at the center of the Bible. Now, there's one more thing I want to cover. I don't want to come across as if I'm being ethnocentric for the Jews. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is to help you learn how to read Scripture so the Holy Spirit can use you in your intellect, in your heart, to be able to see Jesus Christ in all Scripture. It is important that we know what we read. And once we understand what we read, our faith, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. At the same time, I'm not trying to propagate Euro-ethnocentric Christianity either. Just because most of Christianity is in the non-Jewish community doesn't mean that there's a separation. It's all one. 
I've said this time and time again that Christianity was born out of the womb of Judaism. I have said this time and time again that Christianity was born out of the womb of Judaism. Now, I'm going to bring it down a notch or two, and I want to be able to just kind of reflect on pretty much the lesson that I just gave. It is, to me, it has been vitally important to be able to communicate the truths that God has given me, and I feel that the Holy Spirit has endowed me to teach this Christocentric theology, being the fact that it is in the Bible and it always has been. I am not trying to tell anybody what to do or how to study, but the effective way is to be able to read Scripture the way Jesus told us to, in which I gave Scripture for. I can't stress that enough. I think that because we are so used to, or at least the 20th and 21st century Christianity in the United States is so used to hearing the methodic and traditional way of a charismatic Pentecostal type of Christianity, and that has even morphed into something completely unrecognizable, into like a disco ball or concert smoke machine strobe light type atmosphere in churches nowadays and that is something that's unrecognizable and I've said this before in some other my uh, teachings and some of my writings that I've written in certain articles that I've written in forums and also on social media that if the Apostle Paul were to come back and take a look at the church today would he recognize it what would his thoughts be and what he would find and what he would see and He was the one going around and circuiting around the places and towns and countries that he planted churches in. And some of the things that he found, especially in Corinth, he had to stay there for a little while and revisit it again. And so it's the same thing today. We need to guard God's word. We need to guard the church and how it operates. We're not to be heresy hunters and we're not to be people that use apologetics to club other Christians over the head. But you have to remember in the book of Revelation where it says, I have one thing against you in the church of Thyatira that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. So this is one of the churches that were established in the first century and yet it was still compromising with the world. And in, or, in order for the Jezebel spirit to even be present, you would have to compromise with a lot more than just the world. And judgment starts at the house of the Lord. And so it's the leaders, the priests, the, and I'm speaking of the um, Old Testament, the priests, the, uh, the, the ones that are uh, doing all the sacerdotal duties, which with inside of the church or the religious community, the rabbis, the scribes, uh, these, are, these are people that know better. And yet, if the compromise starts there, it just literally goes down the line. And so, there must be, at some point, without being judgmental, to be able to announce these things, bring up these issues, and bring up the subjects and how things are operating. Now, I'm not saying that Christocentric theology is the only way to go. I'm saying if you don't read the Bible this way, you're going to have a hard time understanding the words of Christ. It's rare that I hear pastors and teachers and preachers focus on the words of Christ. Because if you focus on the words of Christ, you're actually focusing on the Torah. 
you're focusing on the scriptures in the Hebrew Bible. You see, the New Testament and the epistles after the four Gospels were post-Christ. It was way after his, they were written way after his resurrection. Jesus never quoted from those. We quote from them. But rarely do you hear people teaching on the word of Christ. Now, if you teach on the word of Christ, then you have to teach on the Torah. You have to teach on the the writings and, and the the prophets. It's very important. There's a lot of material there. There's no way that you'll redo what you did the week before on a particular subject because there's the Word of God is so diverse and there's so many things in there to be able to keep it fresh and to preach and teach to your congregation or to your Bible studies that God is not only in the Old Testament, but He's also in the New Testament. And Jesus is not only in the New Testament, but He's also in the Old Testament. There are so many ways to identify Christ and I'm not going to do that in this particular Frank's Bible study. But I'm trying to give you a template in which to do your studies, in which to think, and how to approach your Bible studies or your Bible groups or your or writing a sermon or writing a book or whatever it is that you do. Blogs or vlogs, articles. Keep that in mind. This is something that is extremely important. I emphasize this because this is how they were able to keep the books of the Bible at the 66 books of the canon of Scripture. There were a lot of other books that were considered to be canon of Scripture, but the different councils that were viewing and overviewing, critically thinking, reading and rereading, and at the scholarship level of doing this, they weren't just anybody doing it. They were men that were very learned in the Word of God. They took the books out for a reason. is because they were not Christocentric. Another reason why I believe this is because Jesus didn't mention anything else. He gave specifics. Moses and the prophets. Moses is an easy one because he wrote the first five books of the Bible. The prophets are also easy because the ones that are true prophets of God are the ones that predict Jesus' time. They also predict further into the future past Jesus' time. But the word of God, the prophets are always subject to that. The prophets have always been subject to the word of God. The prophets' words are God's. So, a false prophet can be easily spotted when they're not speaking the Word of God. So, the apostles who wrote the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, stands instead of the Word of God. Authoritatively, the scriptures of the Old Testament, of course, was the Torah, which are the oldest ones that the Jews would refer to. And when the prophets were out of line from the Torah, then you would they would know. And so there's a law there that says that a false prophet can be stoned or killed. 
So in the New Testament, you have the apostles who are giving the Word of God, who are writing down Jesus' words and are chronicling Jesus' life, kind of like a biography, and writing down the words of Christ, which stand instead in the place of the authority of God's Word. Now, when a prophet goes out of line during the time of the apostles' life, the 12 or the 11 minus Judas and then adding Saul turned into Paul, was the 12. Now, anything in their lifetime and somebody is trying to prophesy something outside of what they know of the Hebrew Bible and what they have been told by Christ himself was considered a false prophet. And then after the apostles died a martyr's death, an exception for John the Revelator being exiled to the island of Patmos, all of the church fathers, after the martyrdom of the original 12 or the original 11 and then Paul the 12 the apostles words served as God's words and so the church is fashioned after their words after the New Testament so the form of the church to stay in consistency to keep what God has given us through Jesus Christ through the apostles, and the keeping of what the words of Christ and his teachings and everything that he's done, we are to do likewise. To repl- He replicated by making disciples so that we can carry on the work that he started. And when that doesn't happen, Christianity takes so many different forms. Sectarianism is what Jesus is against. But the church has been divided drastically from the time of Christ till now, 2,000 years later. Now, I'm not here to criticize anybody's denomination or anybody's creed or anybody's faith statement. What I'm saying here is getting back to basics, learning how to read the Bible the way It is written the way God intended it to be, the way Christ intended it to be, the church, is what we need to return to. The integrity of Scripture, the integrity of what Jesus wanted to see the church as, the integrity of the Word of God and manifested in the believers. Now, at the end of every Bible study, that I teach like this. I'm a lot more candid, a lot more open. And my passion for the love of the Word, for love of God, for the love of Christ, and the love of the Holy Spirit, it comes across this way. I'm very passionate about it. I guard it as best I can. So I'm not going to apologize for it, but what I'm going to say is I hope that you learn from it and it's not meant to offend you. All right, this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. Amen.